0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our regular scheduled programming. It's been an interesting last couple of weeks, hasn't it? Now, I'm assuming you've been paying attention to the real estate market. And if you have been, well, I mean, there's endless things to talk about right now, whether it be interest rates, what's going on, the market, and what's happening, both in Canada, the US, around the world. Generally speaking, there's just a lot of nervousness and uncertainty. With that being said, we brought on someone today that uh, we've been friends with for a number of years, and he hasn't yet joined the show. His name is Denny Duma. Denny is actually a partner of one of our former guests, Jamie Garbett, who's been on our show two times and was well-received. Well, Denny came on and definitely shared a different side of the story and a different uh, conversational tone, fantastic conversation. You're going to hear about everything from why experience matters when you're looking at working with someone and why experience now is so important, especially in times of change. What Denny sees happening in the real estate market going forward, how long he predicts the market to stay as it is right now, and so much more. If you are enjoying these episodes, I got to tell you, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And of course, let us know, send us the feedback on the feedback channels thrivemortgage.ca or on Instagram at thrivemortgageco or at the Remo show, lots of stuff there, but basically rate us, review us, subscribe, and we'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. So, Denny, welcome to the office, man. Welcome to the uh, abode. Uh, Second time here, which is really exciting. Totally forgot you came down last time. Now I feel like a total jerk, but (laughs) appreciate you.
1: All good, brother. Thanks very much for having me. I think uh, the first time was early days in the office, so it's nice to see it uh, furnished.
0: Yeah, we added two tables. We got rid of a bunch of old desks. Yeah. As you can see, we're not designers around here. We're mortgage brokers. So, primarily, it's like, okay, is it useful? Is it not? If it's not, we don't have it. So, you might have a career in
1: design too, buddy.
0: Yeah, minimalist. Looking pretty good. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I like the live edge. <laughs> thank you, sir. Well, I uh, appreciate you coming down, man. And, you know, we will already have done somewhat of an introduction before this, but we always got to fill the gaps. So, you are um, one half of the GND, I'm not going to say which half, <laughs> Garbant Duma uh, real estate team. We've had uh, Jamie join us in the past, obviously, to come in and share some of his insight. And I'm super happy to have you come down and obviously talk with us as well, because there's completely different uh, mindsets and approaches between the two of you guys, which is, I think, sometimes the best in a partnership. It would be really cool just to kind of hear from your perspective, you know, how you got involved in the real estate side of things with I mean, maybe just in general and then how things got linked up with Jamie and then we can fast forward a bit to today.
1: give you the short version because that could be a long story. Sure. Uh, Yeah, 2014, I had gone through some life changes just with career, kind of trying to figure out where I was going. I had bought a condo a couple of years previous to that with Jamie as my realtor. Okay. And I had connected to him just through... Social media is a powerful thing, man. It uh, continues to uh, amaze. But <clears throat> I just posted something on Facebook saying, hey, I'm looking for a condo. Does anyone know a good realtor? Imagine doing <laughs> that today, right? Yeah, yeah. This was in 2011, I want to say. But imagine doing that today. How how, uh, how many realtors will DM me right away? Uh, so one of my friends from high school just said, hey, Jamie went to our high school. He's a realtor. Call him. Um, so the, anyway, long story short, I had bought a condo. A couple years later, I had just kind of reached out to him. Um, I really enjoyed the experience. It kind of lit a little bit of a spark underneath me. I um, have always been interested in real estate and construction and design and like how things go up and in look at this new uh, commercial building that we're in right now, but um, <clears throat> city planning, like how – officials in government decide where single family goes, where strata goes, where commercial goes, all that kind of stuff always was interesting to me. And, uh, with some life changes in 2014, I called him and said, Hey, I I don't really know what else to do. I've always wanted to work for myself. I think I'm going to try this real estate thing. Do you have any advice for me? And, uh, he just said, meet me for breakfast next week. We'll, uh, we'll chat about how it's going to work. And I guess he was at a point in his career where he was, very busy. He had had a few really busy years in a row. It was just him and his one assistant at the time. And, uh, he said, let's team up. He's like, I, I, uh, I need some help. I'm too busy. Um, let's see if we work well together. And if not, you're going to learn something from me in six months. And if we do, then we'll figure it out as we go. So what
0: was the interview process? It was, uh, like pancakes or are you guys going for
1: <laughs> We, we have <laughs> a breakfast, Sixth Street Grill in uh, yeah. New West on 6th. Yeah. I don't think it's still
0: there, but... And that's it. You're hired. Let's go.
1: Well, uh, yeah. I mean, he... I don't... I think he knew a bit about my family and obviously we would work together in the past. Yeah. Um, but it was more just like a, let's see how the first few months go and if it works, great. We'll figure it out as we go. Cool. And I think we both have that type of personality where we're not super structured or... um. We don't need to like write out a bunch of notes to try to figure something out. We'll just like wing it and see what happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Folks, this isn't how it happens for your home, of course. These guys are are much more detailed when it comes to your home. Well, it's kind of neat to hear the backstory because it says a lot about, uh, obviously, where you guys came from, your personalities, you know, from that perspective and um, just kind of the level of trust that you guys have placed in each other, which probably says a lot about the fact that you guys are now like eight years or seven years. What is that, six, eight? Over yeah, eight. Yeah, eight, over eight years A partnership at this point right now without any structure to start off, which says a lot about, you know, obviously who you guys are uh, as, as guys and then having grown a team, which you have a number of people that have been there for years now, which uh, obviously is anybody might know who's in the industry or anybody who's watch around like teams change quickly right it's a really tough industry whether it's because people don't make it in real estate or because they have different opportunities there's always transition right so um so basically you got started off with that and then i'm, I'm sure you hit the floor just absolutely running and screaming at the time he
1: always tells me um i threw you in the fire and you figured it out cool that's what he always says <laughs> yeah uh, it was it like any industry if real estate is there's so much to know and nobody teaches it to you you just right. have to you just have to learn through experience. And that first year for me was unbelievable. And whenever I meet with new realtors, uh, people getting into the industry or curious about the industry, I always say, use the first 12 months, follow someone around, someone that is really good at what they do in the neighborhoods that you want to work in, follow them around and learn as much as you can, because there Mm -hmm. is so much to know. Mm -hmm. And I had the advantage of following Jamie around. And I think in our year one, he, I, I want to say he was doing somewhere and then he wrote 50 to 60 transactions a year. And I think in my 2014, which is my first year, I did 17. So I got to see 75 transactions, even mm-hmm. though I only did you know a 10th of them or whatever. Yeah. So it was so powerful for me. I, I want to say that first year, I probably had the experience of Someone starting off on their own, maybe for four to five years. Yeah. And that was unbelievably powerful and just like catapulting my career in terms of knowledge and experience and confidence in the industry.
0: So for, for folks listening to this who aren't interested necessarily in becoming a realtor, but they generally want to understand things from the inside to break things down, the interesting thing about the real estate industry, and Denny, you can probably speak to this, is the fact that there's not really much in the way of formal training, right? And so when someone's looking to sell their house or buy a house or invest into real estate or do a reno, and they're asking the real estate agent for advice. They're just hoping and praying that this person's even seen it before or cares about it and isn't making things up. Now, thankfully, like, you know, guys like you and a lot of other guys that we've talked to are are pretty stand up and they spend the time, the energy to learn these things. But I mean, that says a lot, like, you know, for for a lot of people, they might just walk into the space, sell 10 homes or whatever. And then next thing you know, they're selling your home. Now, that being said, I don't want to beat up any realtors that are selling, you know, they're in their first year or selling their first five because you've got to start somewhere. But it also, I think it, it, it pushes the importance of someone when you're making an educated decision. You don't necessarily want to just pick someone because they've been in it forever. You don't necessarily want to pick someone because they're, you know, brand new or they have a name. But you definitely want to look for someone who can articulate the level of experience, which after, you know, experience of being part of 75 transactions that could make a big difference in how you advise people and how you talk to people and what you're seeing, right?
1: For sure. Experience is not calculated in number of years. right? It just simply is not in our industry and on your side too, right? Experience is calculated in how many things have you seen? How many transactions have you gone through? How many conversations have you had? How many different professionals have you connected with, right? Yeah, Doing four to six transactions, which is the average in Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board, a year for 40 years is not experience. Right. You are out of practice almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Like there was times in, in slow markets, 2019, 2016, after the foreign buyer tax came in, where there'd be real, realtors that we were connecting with that hadn't done a transaction in three to six months. And uh, like, especially, it, you know, we're going to talk about interest rates and how they're affecting local markets in the last couple months. But if... If you haven't seen it in many homes or if you haven't had these conversations on a daily basis, you're just out of practice. And, and where do you learn that stuff? And you really only learn it from like
0: being involved daily. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. So um, to your point about like, I, I don't want to skip ahead because we're going to talk about yeah. kind of like what are the points at which uh, have impacted the market in the last few years. But where we wanted to circle back is, okay, the experience piece again, and, and the importance to a consumer, a listener, and someone who's investing or buying or whatever that is, and how that comes in. And so when we started talking a few weeks ago, you started sharing uh, some insight into uh, an experience that you went through with a, a home, a renovation, um, that ended up not really making you any money, but you learned a lot about, and it kind of opened your eyes into the importance of you going through some of these experiences so you could advise other people. Right. Maybe you want to shed some light on that heritage situation there and we can (laughs) I'll preface it with this. I
1: I classify realtors in our industry into three categories. One, you're beginning. Everyone starts at at zero. You it takes a while to learn. You learn through experience, following someone around, shadowing, asking questions, all that kind of stuff. But it takes a couple years to get competent. Sure. And for lack of a better word, I say competent as like Uh, step two. Yeah. And that is you're giving people decent advice. You are able to work your way through a transaction. You know what things to look for in contracts, you know how to negotiate decently. Um, but the third step I find that very few get to, and that is just like the above and beyond knowledge of the industry. So yes, that includes like being really good at handling multiple offers and negotiating contracts. Yes, that includes being an exceptional communicator, but it is so important in residential real estate to understand the product that you're selling. Right. And that is construction. That is what is behind the walls. That is how much does it cost to replace a roof or update electrical or change a window or do drain tile, whatever that may be. Yeah. And so that I I got to step two by following Jamie and doing a ton of sales. Right. Yeah. So my first few years, I did a ton of sales and I would say not many people in Greater Vancouver and BC did, saw and actually transact, sold more houses in a single year than I was doing in 2016 and 17. Wow. <clears throat> not many. Maybe me and Ty
0: Corsi. I don't <laughs> like, but We're going to throw that out to Ty here there and you see go. how he responds back. What was yeah. your 20, was it, 2018? <laughs>
1: 2016, 17. I did over 17. 100 transactions by myself there you go.
0: each year. That's crazy.
1: Nuts. Yeah. But you just learn so much by going through that. Sure. That's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of conversations yep. on negotiating on getting through problems after inspections and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, the thing that I think really elevated my um, knowledge in this industry was going through that renovation. So we did a, a renovation of a 1936 heritage home in, in Queens Park. Jamie and I did it together. And it was basically a full gut. So we pulled an oil tank, did all the soil samples, all new drainage, um, all new electrical, all new plumbing, added a couple bathrooms, dug out some attic space to add a bathroom. So it was like as much as you could do. We didn't, the roof was in decent shape, so we left that, but we did a tonne. And being there for those nine months as this project went on, and just watching and asking contractor questions and stuff like that, was an unbelievable, like step forward in my career as, like a service provider to consumers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is, um, it's wild how much more confident I am walking into homes, pointing things out that are going to come up in inspections now. So, and it also. It also makes the transactions go smoother. When you are walking a buyer into a home and you're pointing out that the roof is 18 to 20 years old and it probably needs to be replaced in two to five years and it's going to cost 12 dollars to $15,000, when they see that in an inspection report, they're not freaked out anymore because they already knew it was there. Mm-hmm. They're negotiating based on knowing that they're going to have to replace the roof in, in a few years. Right. Versus early in my career, and what happens pretty often is someone will write an offer, Here's 1.2 million dollars. It's accepted. We do a home inspection. A few items come up. Buyer's freaked out and asked for 25 grand off.
0: Yeah. That so, happens pretty rarely now. So would you suggest that having that experience well having that experience has been beneficial for you? But what is, how is a consumer to think if they're not working with somebody who's renovated a heritage home and seen you know all these different things? Like, mm. Would you say that they're at a disadvantage from that perspective? What I'm trying to get to is I think that it's clear to me that going through the experience of having seen that gives you firsthand ability to determine specifically whether this makes sense for someone or at least to advise them as to what you could think about it. Hey, this may or may not impact you, right? For sure. Um, I think it also goes
1: back to my previous point of um, expertise is not calculated in number of years. Expertise right. is calculated in experiences. Right. And this was just an extra experience that adds to my wealth of knowledge, right? Yeah. So it's extra experience that I can share with consumers as we're going through homes. And and to answer your question about like, what does the consumer get out of this? Yeah. I think if you're buying a single family home in Greater Vancouver, it is... Like going through a showing, you just know so much more about the product that you're potentially going to be writing an offer on before you write the offer. Yeah. Some of those things may steer you away from that property. Some of them may just open your eyes to, oh, this is what it takes to own a single family home in right. greater Vancouver. Right. I'm looking at, you know, $1.4 million in, in New West. What is that going to get me? That's going to get me a 1950s home. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be looking at electrical and the type of plumbing and have the identity drainage and windows and all of that kind of stuff as you're walking through. Yeah. So consumers are just better prepared.
0: So it's interesting because you're looking at it right off now in this conversation, you went from looking at obviously as a buyer understanding, okay, they're looking for these features in this area and this location and and other considerations. But then you go through this, this heritage home revitalization, which, um, I've never personally gone through a heritage home revitalization, but after listening to Jamie talk about it as well, it sounds like a pretty extensive, (laughs) a lot of work, maybe not as much as it's worth, but he's doing it again. So, um, uh, so that was kind of the beginning into your foray. And, and personally, I a hundred percent agree with what you've said in regards to the number of at least um, opportunities that you're in front of versus time, although both can help. Sure. Um, just personally having worked with, I, I don't even know at this point, thousands of mortgage transactions and talking to, you know, hundreds of people every single month, it gets you the opportunity to get a feeling for what people are saying, what they're seeing, what's happening, what's, you know, going on. Um, this kind of leads back to different stages at which you can advise people and where mm-hmm. to specialize. So you got into the construction understanding. You're able to now look at a home and say, okay, not only do I understand the, the land value just because of understanding what's going on and the value to you as a consumer, but now I understand your time cost or, well, I guess life cost if you're doing a renovation or what this could mean to you in three years if you guys have to do a roof replacement or something like that, right? Totally. So. You, you kept going down this road, obviously, and you have since then. And I uh, started expanding to your portfolio of different things. So um, we've talked about this recently, but you, uh, if you're okay ca- talking about it, you made another move recently, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, real estate is such a powerful tool. And I feel like I kind of lucked out getting into this industry because I know a lot about it now. Sure. And the more you know about it, the more comfortable you feel Investing is a good word, but the more comfortable you feel like pushing the limits a little bit. Sure, yeah. And yeah. <clears throat> being single with no kids, I feel like I can take on some risk. Yeah. And in the last few years, it's paid off because real estate has inc- increased in value. But the, the power of owning a tangible asset like a piece of real estate is that every few years, you can now leverage off of that asset. Right. And, and yeah, I, I just uh, moved. I've been living in Port Moody a couple of years and just bought a house in Port Moody, kept the townhouse that I was in, refinanced that, and basically didn't have to pay a down payment because of the refinances. So this, I, again, like it's another experience going through, seeing how all of it works behind the scenes, understanding the communication with mortgage brokers, understanding that, you know, Banks are going to be a little bit slow depending on you know time of year and you know what steps are involved in doing refinancing or uh, if you're doing two at the same time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there uh, it's a process so just being able to like share that those examples and experiences with consumers that are considering or who have maybe never thought about it right yeah like it it now is is bringing up the points in listing appointments where people are saying okay i need to sell this one bedroom condo or two bedroom condo that i'm in we want to buy a townhouse we're thinking about having a kid whatever whatever and now it's it's to the point where okay well have you thought about keeping the condo like, yep. well, what does that even look like yeah when did you buy this five years ago well it's probably worth a lot more now than it was then yeah have you explored the option of refinancing to pull out some equity yeah turn this into a rental do you want to be a landlord and it just opens a a, a totally different conversation with consumers and uh it's it's almost like an immediate trust building right Sure. like when you're sitting across from someone they have the natural tendency to be um i don't know like a little bit standoffish, right? Like yeah. this person wants, uh, this person wants me to use them to sell my home so that yeah. they can make money. If I now turn that around and say, well, I don't think you should sell this condo. Mm-hmm. I think you should buy a house and turn this into a rental refinance. And you're in a great position in five years from now, your tenants paid off five years of your mortgage here. Yeah. And you still got the house that you want. Yeah. I think it just it is like an immediate trust builder. So it, um, like, and I wasn't really ha- comfortable having those conversations until a couple of years ago after I had been through numerous mortgages and a couple of refinances, right? And it just takes those experiences to build the knowledge to be able to be confident and have those conversations.
0: So that, that's that's really powerful to hear coming from you, someone who's now seen hundreds and hundreds of transactions at this point in your career, um, having gone through renovation, a refinance, sell, selling, buying, these different types of things that you know, perhaps it wasn't until the point that you actually went through like a full-on multiple property refinance, putting different renters in and then making a leap up to a property yourself? Did you feel like, Oh, my goodness, okay, like, wow, this was a great experience. Now I want to share and tell the world. And I think that's, that's massive, because I have personally gone through that myself. And I would say like, when I bought an investment property, or in this case, a commercial unit and or did a major scale renovation myself, it was each and every one of those points, I was able to add another tool to the tool belt and able to discuss that. And so when I'm able to have a conversation with my clients, um, one of my big things that I suggest and today actually having had multiple conversations was uh, it's a good thing if I'm telling you not to do something you want to hear that from me certainly and that's what I'm aiming to do here is to tell you don't do this thing don't do that thing in many circumstances especially and we'll talk about this afterwards in, in changing markets or markets that don't make sense to do so right don't be rash in certain decisions but circling back to that so uh, from a, again a lot of people that are listening to our show here are 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 people that are buying or investing their first homes and one of the biggest things for most people is having the fear to take that leap. So, having worked with a lot of people who are perhaps maybe at that point in their lives where they're like, "Oh, maybe I should I keep my other property? Should I not?" What was it for you that helped you feel comfortable taking that leap? Was there something that just kind of said, "Yeah, you know what? I I think this makes sense for
1: me." I've been a landlord before um, it doesn't scare me anymore. The first time it definitely did. You know, how many times are they going to call me a month? (laughs) How many questions are they going to ask me that I don't know the answer? What's going to break that? I don't know how to fix, you know, all those, all those types of things. What if I get a person that is terrible and trashes the place, right? Sure. Yeah. I've gone through it. I've had good tenants. I've had bad tenants and it doesn't scare me anymore. There's a solution for any problem. Um, sure getting a bad tenant sucks. Sometimes it costs you a little bit more money, but at the, in the long run, at the end of the day, I just, I believe so firmly in owning Greater Vancouver Real Estate. Right,
0: right. Even though the market's falling off a cliff right now, you're okay with Oh man, with that? I'm excited, this yeah. <laughs> excites me, I love it. I agree with you, I think you, the first time, so I was, I got off pretty easy the first time, so I, my sister ended up being my first tenant, in my property with her friend. And although she called me a lot and probably more than a a typical tenant would be, I guess I got kind of lucky to kind of like play softball the first time around, so to speak, and then kind of move forward from there. But yeah, like those are the types of things that, and it's good to hear that from you, right? Because that's a lot of the fears that a lot of people have. And they're like, no, I don't want to own real estate rentals. I don't want to own that because landlords, you know, like I don't want to be a bad guy landlord. And I I think tenants are going to trash my house. And like, what if they do? And what does that look like? Right? And I mean, exactly your point well like let's run through the list of worst case scenarios right if this happens this happens this happens but like let's also look at like the best case scenarios and then find somewhere in the middle because generally speaking somewhere in the middle is still really damn good Uh, especially as you mentioned well whether you're investing in alberta or here there's still a lot of good right
1: and and you can usually um minimize that risk too of tenants right because you're posting something online you're doing the research on who's coming to see the, yeah. the house, yeah. you're selecting that yeah. person. So yeah. if you select a bad person, it's kind of on you too, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. you didn't do enough due diligence. Maybe you didn't call a reference. Maybe you didn't look them up on social media if find out who they are. Yes, like people can put on a facade. Yes, yeah. people can fool you. But um, for the most part, if you're calling references and calling their employer and getting a little bit of background info on them, you're never going to get that really, really bad one. Yeah. Right? Maybe Hopefully. you get someone who whatever is messy you know things like that but yeah. and it depends on the type of product that you are renting to right sure i had a 1943 house that was maybe renovated in the early 80s but it was pretty dated and pretty gross <laughs> and so the quality of tenant for that is going to be a lot different than a one-year-old townhouse in port moody yeah across the street from the sky train right it's yeah. just different quality yeah so I guess there's pros and cons with owning older homes. Yeah. Um, owning land is fantastic long term. Yeah, a lot more upside potential, but owning newer strata, uh,
0: a lot less headaches. Interesting i mean i'm not surprised to hear you say that like the the particular product is is going to attract a certain type of person and 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 we talk about this and we talked about this in podcast before like how to find a good tenant walk around the area think about what they look like act like feel like you know generally speaking if someone is like affluent and they're going to take a sky train and things like that they don't want to mess around with maintenance right they just basically want to hop on hop out and go and they want a starbucks on the corner and they want a nice restaurant or something of that nature which obviously to your point you learned the hard way totally probably at this point right now okay so so you've you've made the transition you uh congrats by the way on the new house i'm Thank sure you. the reno how's reno going by the way you should probably ask about that we it was stalled for a couple weeks
1: oh yeah whenever you're doing a reno this is like one of the first things <laughs> oh, you yeah. learn is is it takes longer than you think oh boy usually you budget for 50 percent more time and it yeah. usually takes longer than that yeah so the uh i was just waiting for an electrical permit the i finally got the permit PC, bc hydro said yep go ahead so we're starting uh electrical update on monday cool Right so it's me. coming along. Yeah, I've this one's not that. super big like the last one was. Um, updating electrical panel to put a EV charger, AC uh, sub panel the basement for a kitchen and basement suite
0: downstairs. There you go, not bad. So we're gonna add a basement suite in rental income. Fantastic. So looking good on all accounts. Okay, so you made this big decision like months ago, and um, you know I'm not gonna assume what you paid for it, nor will I ask you to put it on air here. But uh, boom. Uh, within the quarter, the the amount of, and we're gonna date ourselves here, but whatever, within the course of, I don't know, what is it? Three, four months now, we've seen the bank account increase interest rates nearly 2%. Sure. Um, And it's, it's, I mean, we've had podcasts, we've had people talk about it. I don't like to use a shift word or any stuff. It's like kind of a taboo word at this point. It is whatever it is, call it what you wanna call it. But we've seen a noticeable change in the desire to own real estate from, at least from an external standpoint, in in three or four months, like it's it's been dramatic. We went from uh, January, February, March. You couldn't get enough people lined up at the doors. Like you like you had like you were a security guard standing outside the door. And now we're in June and or July. I don't even know where we are right now. Whatever. We don't want to date it too much here. But we're in the summer, somewhere, some way. And you got, you know, most people, realtors on vacations, you got open houses without with like, you know, nobody in there, we got more houses on the corners than anybody can count. And obviously, there's a whole different sentiment from people from 1.5% rates now to 5.5% rates in a four to six month period. So what's going on, man? Like how, how, how are you guys? How are you feeling? First of all, having purchased that home recently? And um, yeah, I mean, just generally speaking, how are your thoughts on this quick turnaround? What's your time horizon, right? It's like it's like stock market.
1: Warren Buffett's one of the wealthiest people in the world, and th- I'm gonna butcher this quote, but it's something right. like, when other people are aggressive, be cautious. When other people are cautious, be aggressive. Basically, all of Greater Vancouver right now is being cautious. So what does Warren Buffett tell you to do? There's so much opportunity in Greater Vancouver right now, and this is the exciting part of going through, like being confident enough to speak to consumers about this stuff. A lot of people are just like, I don't want to say the wrong thing versus I've seen the ups and downs three or four times already in, in a, you know, shortish eight and eight and a half year career that I know what's on the other side and it's just a matter of time. And I don't know if that's going to be a six month window, 18 month window, maybe, maybe slightly longer, but personally, um, I like to think that I bought on the way down. Definitely wasn't the bottom. Right. Um, but like anything, like any investing, if you wait for the bottom, you usually miss it. And then you're buy buying on the way back up. Yeah. And that can be challenging. Now you're com- competing too, right? You're back to a frenzy of greater Vancouver real estate. You're yeah. back to multiple offers and guessing what prices are and yep. no yep. inspections and subject free. And I had a week and a half of subjects. It was pretty chill. Mm-hmm. Did a home inspection. Yeah all those things
0: so you can feel good and you know rest assured you're in a good position to do so right the
1: first thing i said was time horizon too that's one of the things i talk to any anybody talking or thinking about buying right now is how long do you plan to own this yeah is it five years ignore the media
0: sure
1: yeah if you're trying to flip something and do a quick reno and sell in six months yeah you should be pretty cautious i have no clue what the next six months are going to look like yeah if the ra- like if rates go up again could be a really slow fall. A
0: little bit of a bloodbath area. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, but
1: I also know that there's a federal election coming up next year. Um, I know that it's probably bad publicity or bad a bad look on a liberal government to go into an election with a, in a recession. Yeah, so I don't think they're gonna. Stay high for very long.
0: I mean, the interesting thing, because you know, obviously, we're going to have this podcast going to go up pretty quickly afterwards, and hopefully, people listen to it within a short period of time afterwards. Is, is to your point, you know? Okay, we got an election coming up in what is it? Eighteen months or November. Is it really? Not this year. Never. Never. Twenty twenty. Okay. So, so over just over a year from now, and obviously they're going to start talking about it in a shorter time frame. Um, you know, we've also seen that the U.S. has already entered, although they may not call it that, they've entered a, a version or a variation of a recession, even if it's a small recession at this point right now. I don't know what that means, but you get what I'm saying there. Yeah. Um, we've already seen the U.S. go up and then bring interest rates back slightly just a little bit, just to find a sweet pocket there. And, and they, they've actually also noticed uh, in, in certain cities and areas that real estate is still moving, although nothing like it was you know a few months ago's time, it's, it's still moving along uh, to your point right there. Um, what's been interesting to me is exactly your point is like first and foremost, um, there you, we've seen different points, the foreign buyer tax came in, although that only impacted a certain, set, a certain subset of homes. Uh, The stress test, which was a big one, which actually worked out to be quite good in this circumstance, raising rates, because people are protected. Um, The the difference now is that what's happening is impacting, obviously, a wider group of people, but maybe not as much as what some people think. And that's actually kind of where my point goes to is it's 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 a public perception which is causing an, this impact and then other factors. Case in point, um, a vast majority of borrowers in Canada have more than 50% of equity in their homes. So in, in a worst case scenario situation, people could refinance, restructure, take out equity. They don't lose their homes. Sure. right? So nobody's losing their homes or their, their real estate, especially if they're not selling, uh, aside from those flippers who could be in a tough spot, right? Sure. Um, they've already indicated that they're going to put taxes on flippers anyway. So there's probably less of those kicking around at this point. Maybe, I don't know. We'll See. yeah it's going to kick around but the variable rate holders as a whole uh there's two different types of variable products as you know right one where the payments float and one where the payments adjust now um the last year has meant that a lot of people want variable and variable generally speaking is a good long-term play unfortunately i think a lot of people maybe didn't really recognize what could happen um and there's going to be people that are going to be shocked from a payment standpoint but i'm almost going to go backwards for a second and the point i'm going to try to get to is there's a lot less people affected than we think I could tell you right now that most of the people that are in variable rate products that we've worked with, actually, believe it or not, at least over 50% of them are in floating payments. So their payments are going up and down. They've already looked at their options. They know where they're at. They know what they can do. And then there's a whole whack lot of other people that have said, okay, I know I can deal with it. It's a 1% increase." So, the reality is it's more about public sentiment than anything else. And although raising increases, the, the sad reality is real estate's emotional. I'm gonna get to my point here eventually, but yeah. <laughs> the sad reality is real estate is like a super emotional decision. Yeah. And I think that's where your point around timeline is, is important. Yeah. Because again, the facts show more people moving here, not enough housing, people continue to wanna buy, people wanna continue to invest. Yes, the cost of borrowing is up. Yes, that people can qualify for less, but they can't keep rates up forever. And in addition to that, with the vast majority of people not actually being in variable rate loans, it's actually not impacting nearly as many people as we think. Yeah. So the question isn't if prices will come back up.
1: And historically, historically rates are still very low.
0: Yeah, I mean, if we go over twenty-five years, obviously, sure. in the last decade, certainly we're we're at the upper range now. We're the highest since like you know twenty ten sort of thing, but. I mean, I guess the way that I look at it from a buyer's perspective or from a borrower's perspective, I'm talking to someone today, is I'm like in 2020, right before the pandemic hit, prime was at 3.95. Now we're at 4.7. That's only a three-quarter point difference. Like, that's not a dramatic difference. Uh, Fixed interest rates in 2019 were in the high fours. Mm -hmm. We're in the low fives to mid fives. So, like, really, we're not that far off, to your point exactly. Sure. But it happens so quick. Yeah. Right? That's the shock, right? A lot of people... Don't know if it'll keep going,
1: right? And I yeah. think that's where the caution of a lot of people is coming in is just, uh, what was it, three months? It went up two and a half percent?
0: It, yeah, Well, it, it went up from a quarter to two and a half percent. So yeah, two and a quarter. Two and a quarter. Since, yeah, in about three months time. Yeah, pretty quick. Never seen that before. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty quick. More stats. Interesting article was posted that in the last 30 years, Bank of Canada has gone up, I believe, six times. So I'm going to butcher this a little bit. So we'll have to get fact check on it. But I think it's six times by one and a half percent or more have they gone up in this short period of time. Okay. Okay. And in all of the situations, very shortly afterwards, it followed rate drops of anywhere between 1.5% all the way to five and a quarter from, again, it's the last 30 years. Yeah. So uh, what's interesting is if you actually look at a graph and you look at the cycles, the average cycle lasts for about two years from the point that it spiked up to the point it came back down. They're basically triggering, again, the rates to come into a recessionary measure and then come back down to your point. So again, it's not a matter of if, but when, but the fear is still out there. So what does a buyer do right now? What does an investor do right now? What should someone actually do and what should they avoid besides flipping? We know that.
1: Depends on your situation. Real estate is so personal. It's very emotional, but it also is very circumstantial. Sure. That young couple who's looking to upsize, who has been looking for the last few months and is now sitting on the sidelines because they're scared of what's going to happen, I think they're going to miss a really good opportunity. I think uh, it's a very similar, to me, this was my guess in 2020. As soon as COVID hit, we saw real estate prices come down 10 15%, literally overnight. And there were some phenomenal deals now that I, I remember being a part of, both on the buy and sell side, that... We're selling two, three, four hundred thousand $400,000 less than they were three weeks earlier, just yep. before. So I remember doing a podcast maybe early April 2020 being like, this is the opportunity. This is not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's six months, maybe it's two years, who knows. But it's it's going to be a short window. And if you miss it, it might never come back. Sure. And it seems like where prices are not Down to where they were in 2020, Um, but this is another really good opportunity for that you know young couple that's looking up size. Single family homes have come down more than condos. Yeah. So if you're selling and buying at the same time, that equation, yes, maybe your condo is worth 100 grand less than it was four months ago, but that equation actually is an extra 150 thousand dollars in your favor because that house has come down 250 and your condos come down 100. Right. A lot of people don't think the full equation. They think, well. If I can't get six fifty for my one bedroom condo anymore, going to do this. I don't want to sell it. Yeah, but it, and and that's the emotional side of real estate, right? Is like my neighbor sold in January for six fifty. Why isn't mine worth that? Yeah, uh, but it doesn't matter because it matters what you're going into and what that equation looks like. And if that equation is, you know, like in that example I just gave, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in your favor sounds like a phenomenal time to make a move.
0: And to further complicate things, we add in higher interest rates. So yeah. then we start to ask, okay, can is there affordability there? Sure. Right. So as a borrower, I need to understand, okay, can I can I qualify or afford it? Um, and and to me, um, where where to your point, the opportunity is is if someone is has budgeted successfully, has done very well at you know maintaining their current budget and feels comfortable and confident, even though monthly cost is, let's say on a $500,000 loan is the same as it was for a $700,000 loan you know, a few months ago. Yeah. The reality is, is and this is gonna be corny because I've said it so many times at this point, but I'm gonna throw it on the podcast again and people can steal it. It's it's that you you marry the home, you date the rate. Um, if interest rates go back down in two years time, you can refinance and restructure it. You, you don't have to worry about it for 30 years time, right? You buy that home and if you're gonna live in it for five, seven, 10, 15, years you can't change the price that you bought it at now that can work in the opposite favor when it's low rates and high prices the affordability factors there yeah but this one really works in your advantage if you're someone who's prepared financially and you know your budget you know your numbers and you're in a good spot right yeah um and and i think to your point that's been what i've seen as well for a lot of people but like back to your point that has been the biggest people that's the group of people that stopped doing anything interestingly enough is people that are upsizing when i'm sitting there holy cow that townhome you could have bought four months ago was a million bucks now it's it's 750 and your condo's only worth like you mentioned 75 grand less like you're actually netting ahead like two hundred thousand dollars or 250 thousand dollars if you're if you're smart about it right now totally um single family homes like langley um and in other cities and, and like for example in, in in brookswood i don't know if everybody listening to this knows where that is but you know they were going for like 1.8 to 2 million for like a 1970s house and now you're down to like 1.5 which is a dramatic increase in in valuations now to make people feel better who bought a few months ago um we're still like high year over year we're higher year over year and perhaps over the last two years still quite high and and values aren't going to drop to you know a million bucks anytime soon but um it just it just shows you how much of an impact that these outside influences and media have on everyone's decision to proceed and move forward, right?
1: 100%. The important thing to understand long term is the big problem that, uh, and the reason for real estate in Greater Vancouver being so expensive and climbing so quickly in the last five years is we do not have enough supply. That problem is not solved. It, you know, a 1.5% increase in interest rates did not solve the supply issue. There's still more people that want to live in greater vancouver than own homes in greater vancouver and as soon as this settles out these interest rates whether it levels off for a few months or whether it starts coming back down next year i just think we're back to the same problem that we had in january february march yeah um so if you're missing i'd say think think long term understand long term the problem is supply Mm -hmm. um Look at the last little dip we had, right? 2019 was a year where we saw single-family homes come down 15% or more in some neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And that was back above peak pricing within 18 months. Mm-hmm. So if you're can, if you planning to live in something for five-plus years, 10 years, if this is a long-term family home for you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: buy it based on your family's needs uh, and what the current price is, and then just ignore affordability Everybody for the next five
0: years yeah it, it's so interesting to table off on that point i'm talking to first-time buyers here today and um you know in, in most situations when i'm talking to a first-time buyer that's booming they, they usually have to move because they're getting kicked out or like you know in this case her mom's selling her house or these types of things for me it's like hey if you can afford the payments if you can get in right now jump in right because you've got the down payment you're in the situation you know maybe maybe if you're living in your parents basement suite right now and you can weather the storm and you still have to save up some money then save up some money for a few months here right uh just to kind of see what happens maybe for a months this year and, and i think you're going to find some you know fantastic opportunities but if you're someone who can actually afford and can move up or make that adjustment right now i mean i feel like that's the this is the ideal time right like have the how the long-term mindset of maintaining and holding but the short-term mindset of being able to adjust and be nimble if necessary right the neat thing is a buyer right now it doesn't have to be like at a rush which is why I'm shocked that there's not more people reaching out and talking to their real estate agent and being like, hey, listen, like, talk to me about this right now. Like, we don't have crystal balls, right? Like, this is the ocean that we're in. We're just little captains on our tugboats or (laughs) tugboats, as I like to call it. Um, And we're just trying to navigate these waters. But to your point, experience, seeing it, going through it, and then obviously having an understanding of what's going on. I mean, it's all you can pretty much do at this point right now is to Generally, no, it's going to be okay. The first time I saw it, I had no clue what to think,
1: right? Like, So 2016 was a bananas year in single family homes. Yeah. And towards the end of 2018, 2019 started coming down. Yeah. And those conversations with people who had bought in 2016 and now their home is worth less than it was three years ago when they bought it, those are really challenging conversations because I hadn't seen it before. Yeah. Um, Didn't really know what the rebound effect was going to look like. So those are really challenging. Now, now having gone through that, back to the experience thing is like so much more confidence articulating, you know, what a long-term road of Vancouver looks like. Yeah. And you talk about, I think you asked the question of like who should be cautious versus who should look to yeah. look yeah, at absolutely. opportunity. Is that downsizer type person, if you lived in your home for 20 years, um, you're not going to get the peak pricing for your home right now yeah if you're thinking if you were thinking 2022 is the year to sell yeah maybe look at you know if you need some equity out of your home maybe look at doing a refi yeah and sitting on it for another year or two and sure. just waiting because i don't think this is going to be i think this is going to be a short-term blip right i think it's 16 6 to 18 months yeah and it really i mean We're kind of at the mercy of the Bank of Canada and what they decide to do over the next year or so. Yeah. But I just don't see, I don't see another big increase coming. Yeah. And I pretty confidently can say 2023, I think rates start coming down.
0: I hope you're right. I don't want to see another increase. That's a lot of my phone blowing up there over the course of a week or a month or so forth. It must be
1: nuts for you. I guess, like, how are you handling those conversations?
0: Oh, yeah. Like, well, I I think I mentioned, like, pretty much up until the moment you showed up here. I mean, listen, I'm really proud of the way our team has, has been built for the last few years. Like, we do annual conversations with every client that will take it. We reach out every single year. And truth be told, my conversations right now are just, calming here's what's going on here's what's happening here's what you can do even though we send out the videos and the emails and so forth it's one thing to have a personal conversation Um, it's just time right you have to make time to to do a lot of these conversations but i think i had today uh, outside of my typical you know client work and other calls i think i had five uh, separate conversations with clients and we they all ended strong I know my options. I know what I can do. I don't feel like I'm going to lose my house. And that's kind of the big thing right now is that, you know, again, we we hear the media push us like house prices drop 35%. House price drop. Who gives a crap? As long as you can afford your mortgage and you can make your payments right now, like the stock market fall off. I don't care. I've got money in, you know, in here and here and here, it's gonna rebound eventually for the most part, if you just let things sit and settle. So like as a as a borrower or a buyer listening to this, should I buy? Should I invest? Should I do these different things? I mean, obviously it depends on what your objective goals are. But to your point, if you're gonna hold on to the asset, we could show how many different spikes and falls, but again, that little mountain just keeps climbing up. Um, times are crazy right now on the lending side. The focus is to have a clear plan of action. Remember that you can always restructure in the future, and don't make judgment decisions based on a short-term uh, situation. Always have the long-term outlook. The same thing when it comes to prepayment penalties. Mortgages are like banks are just eating us up right now, man. Like they'll call people all day long and be like, "Hey, you want to sign on this, you know, this dotted line?" And people are like scared. They're like coming up for renewal and you're like i don't have an option right now what do i do right what are my options and and that's a sad thing and i wish we could talk to more people and and show them that they have the ability to do different things but to your point it's like you know experience back to the experience to be able to educate and then show and advise creates calmness which makes good decisions which is why you can buy more real estate and feel good about it even though the market's dropped off 25 percent. right
1: it's so funny how many consumers we talk to all the time don't put into perspective the entire equation. I talk about this uh, 95% of listing appointments is okay. Well, what are you thinking of buying if you decide to sell here? Uh, we're downsizing. Okay. Well, what does that equation look like versus we're upsizing? That equation looks a lot better for you right now. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I didn't think about that. I right. was just thinking about that 50 grand that I just lost compared to my neighbor that sold two yeah. months ago, right? Yeah. And it it's, um, yeah, it's the experience is uh, invaluable in those types of strat- strategic conversations. Totally. Even like for me, I'm not an expert in mortgages. I've had 10 of them. <laughs> so like I know how they work for a pain. little bit. And I've had hundreds of conversations with people like you yeah. <laughs> and other mortgage brokers. And uh, being able to share those that information on fixed versus variable and and the details. Sure. Talking about yes rates are a little bit higher now, having the flexibility to adjust if rates go down, what does that mean? variable what does that mean if you're in a fixed what do those penalties look like i've had a big penalty in a, in a fixed uh mortgage i'm not going to do it again right like but if i didn't go through that and be like ah uh, yeah you could just keep it for another couple of years to, like don't worry about the interest costs versus when you are actually outlining all those details for someone they just um they get to make better decisions
0: I like to think about like uh, I'm going to throw a golfing reference and then I'm going to probably call uh, and this is going to be terrible. So because uh, I'm not a good golfer, but I just this came to you right now because you're a big golfer. Um, you were out there uh, catting for your, your buddy uh, up in Okanagan, which is exciting. We should have started with this. But anyways, um, I just thought about this and I'm like, OK, how many golfers do we know that are like bryson de and they're just pounding the, the the ball from start to finish and, and winning right like it works for a short period of time but generally speaking like most notable or good gol- golfers have have a you know a long game mid game short game right and i like to think of it it's the same way when it comes to mortgages from that perspective right like if you just stick it in like a 10-year fix that's like bryson de you might win once you might win a couple times nothing about him personally but you're gonna smash the long ball but most of the time it's gonna go off and it's going to mess off and it's going to screw you up but if you're somebody who can be strategic and think about the long game you got to make it through the 18 holes you got to make it through the 30-year mortgage or you got to get to that point but you're able to have that plan in place and and adjust to the different greens and all that kind of stuff then you're going to be okay and i think where i was trying to go with that is because again the bank says go with a five-year fix seven-year fix ten-year fix just do that do that do that do that whereas like okay why don't we have the long-term mindset we're going to play the whole course but why don't we adjust our game let's why don't we look at a two-year option right now that could make sense the cost of borrowing is lower the two-year outlook based on where the economy is going right now what's our worst case scenario we lie where we are right now not so bad right the variable approach is good for someone who's strong at recovering right is, is comfortable with it and and not just take that one option so kind of circling back to your point exploring the different options but deciding and moving forward to make a decision that was a terrible metaphor but i tried really hard i hope that made sense i think
1: your point came across and i think it reiterates how important it is to work with people who are really really good agreed right like thrive Just because I work with other mortgage brokers, I can't say you're the best in BC, but you are easily one of the best in BC. Thanks, man. Any conversation you have with, I mean, in terms of your team, I deal mostly with you, but I would, um, I think it's pretty easy to say that like anyone on the team, you're just getting expert advice every step of the way. And in in weird situations like this that we've never seen before where rates have gone up two and a quarter percent in a very short period of time and people are freaking out, like have a conversation with the people who know this world best cool. when yeah. like I've got those calls too from, um, from banks in yeah. the last couple months saying, Hey, you're in a variable. Do you want to lock in on a five year fixed at 5.75? And I just laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like no, it seems so silly, Yeah, but I, I think uh, they're just scaring a lot of people into making poor decisions versus getting educated from the people who know this world best.
0: So to sum it up, the power of good advice is important. You can't replace experience. And right now, more than ever, you need to be getting good advice from a variety of people. Denny, I don't want to keep you too much longer here because we can go on forever. Um, <laughs> for the folks that are listening, we're going to post up all your information everywhere. Uh, you have your own podcast. Obviously, maybe shout out the name of the podcast really quickly. The Denny Duma
1: Podcast. We took a little break because I had a lot going on in my life, but um, we'll be back in September.
0: Okay. The Denny Duma Podcast. So make sure to download that. And of course, we know where you are, the GD team. Um, and d team. And yeah, man, really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks for joining. Absolutely.
1: We'll do it again.